Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. We've been in a, uh, a sermon series on prayer, and I hope that through this sermon series you have been encouraged to pray more. You have been encouraged to pray regularly. You have been encouraged to pray often. You've become a person that is living a life of prayer. That prayer is becoming normal in your life, that your relationship with God, your presence with God, your communion with God, your communication with God is just, it's, it's maybe it was down here and now it's up here. It, it's normal. It's part of your life. We come to a topic today, uh, I, I guess it's, it's a fitting way to end our, our sermon series on prayer. What do Christians pray for most often, do you think? What, what do they pray for most regularly? In my experience, uh, hanging out with you kind of folks, <laughs> hanging out with people uh, that uh, come to prayer meetings or in community groups or Bible studies, the biggest thing that we pray for, the most common thing we pray for, is for healing. You can't go to a prayer meeting, you can't go to your community group or your Bible study without somebody saying, I need healing for this. I need help for this. I need fixed. Fix me, God. Or fix my kids. Or fix my parents. They're hurting. They got a disease. They got a sickness. God, please heal. And I've also noticed, in my observation, that probably the most frustrating thing for Christians when it comes to prayer is unanswered prayers for healing. So we come today and we, we wrestle with this question, is it God's will, will to always heal? Is it God's will to always heal us from sickness, from disease, from troubles, from tribulations? It, it's, it's a real big question. We obviously believe in the power of prayer. Just being around you people for the number of years I've been, you pray. You ask for God's healing. You, you ask for His help. It's obvious that we are people that believe in prayer. That we, we believe that God heals today. But is it always God's will for you to be delivered from sickness? Always God's will for you to be healed from your troubles and your tribulations and your trials. There's a, a group of Christians who say, yes, yes, always. In fact, they say God has provided for your healing in the atonement. When Jesus went to the cross, say some folks, He not only died for your sins, He not only bore your iniquities, but He bore your diseases and your sicknesses. And so we are told that if we are sick, if we are diseased, if we're not delivered from these things, it's our fault. All we have to do is ask for it because Jesus has already provided for it. So I'd, I'd like to run down that path today. I'd like to run down that, that, that teaching today. Look at the scripture. What does the word of God say about our healing? What does the word of God say about this life and the life to come? What has God willed? What does God desire for your life and my life? 
some would say, well, yeah, of course God heals. He doesn't change, does He? He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Of course God heals. Of course He delivers from sickness. When God was walking this earth, when Jesus was walking through Galilee and we went into Judea, everybody who came to Him, He healed. And wouldn't it be the same today that the people He's redeemed, the people He's bought with His blood that we celebrated at communion, that we remembered at communion, wouldn't He want to heal us today? His children, His beloved, wouldn't He want to make you whole? And, and we, you know, we look at that and we say, well, that, that makes sense, but what does the Bible say? Where does that theology come from, the belief that God always heals if we ask in faith? That God always heals if there's no sin in your life. What is this teaching? What does it mean for us? Should we live it? And if we're in sickness today, if we have cancer today, if we have autoimmune illnesses today, if we have thyroid issues today, if we have eczema today, if we have loss of hearing today, should we rebuke this? And get it out of our life? Is it just waiting for us right now to send it away in Jesus' name? We need to wrestle with this question and answer this question because, <clears throat> because all of us, sooner or later, get sick. All of us, sooner or later, will have a doctor assign us a a title, or give us a diagnosis, lay something upon us and say, you have this, or you have that. Does Jesus want us to be healed always? Are we living in disobedience if we're not healed? Please open your Bible to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, this is, uh, for those who believe that God always wills us to be healed, this is the core text in the doctrine of faith healing. Doctrine that you shouldn't be sick or you shouldn't have disease in your life. This is the core text where prosperity teachers or faith healers, you go to a crusade, you go to a tent meeting, you go to some some rally where uh, there's a healing service going on, this is the foundational scripture, <clears throat> the foundational place where the doctrine is built that God always heals those who come to Him in faith. I wrestled with having a super long sermon today and keeping you here for a few hours, but I decided against that. <clears throat> so I'm going to cut to the chase. This whole section, chapter 52 verse 13 through 53, verse uh, 12, it, it, it hangs in one solid section, and it's about the atonement of Jesus Christ. The theme, it's the prophecy of Jesus' coming to earth to rescue and to save. But uh, save from what? Rescue from what? And so we go to verse 4, chapter 53, verse 4, to really 
uh, again, there, there's a whole context here. The, the book of Isaiah speaks of a servant who's come to deliver and rescue again and again and again. And this is one of the servant songs in the book of Isaiah. But in verse 4, we, we, we get to the core of our question today. Does God always heal and does God always will for us to be delivered from sickness and disease? Verse 4, surely he... That's the servant in this servant song and the, the other servant songs that are found in Isaiah. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. So in the bigger context, uh, Isaiah, the, the prophet, as he's preaching, he's talking about the servant that has come. The arm of the Lord is his name. And he's talking about how he didn't come, the, the, the Savior, the Messiah, didn't come according to our expectations. We expected him to be great and mighty, highly exalted. He, we expected him to look like a Messiah, look like a Savior, uh, but he, he came as a, as, a, as a tender plant or a, a root out of dry ground, very pathetic. He was marred beyond description. He, he didn't look like a Savior. He didn't act like a Savior. The world didn't treat him like a Savior. Uh, the end of verse 4 there, we, we esteem the arm of the Lord. We esteem the servant. We esteemed him as stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. In other words... We looked upon the Messiah, we looked upon the Savior, it's a prophecy of what's going to happen. We saw Him being judged by God. We saw Him being destroyed by God. We saw Him go to that cross, from a New Testament perspective, and, and be put to death. And, and what, the, what the prophecy is talking about, what Isaiah is saying, the people one day when the Messiah comes, they're going to look upon the Messiah, and they're going to look upon Him and His claims and they might cheer him for a season, they might celebrate him for a season, but, but at the end of the day, they're going to say, God killed him, God judged him, God destroyed him. But at the top of verse 4, there's a confession. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And what that is talking about, <clears throat> uh, the Messiah, the Savior, when he went to the cross, he bore to himself our griefs. He carried to himself our sorrows. Now, very important here is how you translate that understanding or how you make interpretation of griefs and sorrows. The different Bible versions that you might have sitting in your, your pew today, there's different interpretations of that. Griefs might be trans translated sicknesses. Sorrows, there's a number of different translations. And what it means is that that word, that, that Hebrew word that's put there for griefs in, in the Hebrew word for sorrows, it can have a number of connotations depending on the context. It can refer to physical affliction, physical pain. It can refer to mental pain, mental affliction. It can refer to spiritual troubles, trials, spiritual hardships, infirmities, spiritual brokenness, spiritual pain, okay? 
And so those who would say that healing is always there for us, they would say that, you know, when Jesus went to the cross, he not only went to the cross to bear your sins, he took upon himself all of your diseases. So those who hold to the the idea that we're always meant to be healed from sicknesses and diseases, they would say for sure that what is being talked about in verse 4, griefs and sorrows, is your physical issues, your physical pains, your physical sufferings. In other words, when Jesus went to the cross, he suffered for your cancer. He suffered for your hypertension. He suffered for your eyesight loss. He suffered for you name it, whatever malady, whatever physical malady, whatever physical sickness that you might have today, Jesus already paid for it. He carried it to himself and he suffered by his stripes, verse 5, by his wounds, you've been healed. That's what some people would say is an interpretation of this text. The first thing that I would say is that how that, that those words are understood depends on the context. And if you go back today and you read chapter 52 and 53, uh, what is the main emphasis? What is the main theme? What is the main topic? It's being crushed, the Messiah, in verse 5, he was crushed for what? Our iniquities. He was pierced for our transgressions for our sins. If you read the context and you read what, where, where it's at, the better translation is say, he carried our spiritual maladies to himself. He took our sins to himself. The griefs and sorrows are our weaknesses. Everything that stands for sin and iniquity and wickedness, he took to himself. In verse 5, Uh, but he was pierced for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. What was was taking place there? His wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. And so the prosperity preacher, the one that says that you always should be healed, and if you're not healed, there's something wrong with you or your faith or sin in your life, they would say, that what Jesus died for was your physical healing. The wounds that he took on the cross, the wounds that he took in his beatings, the stripes that he took, the King James Version, a new King James Version would say stripes, whether it's wounds or stripes or sufferings, they're all synonyms there. The idea is that Jesus already won your physical healing is what is being taught by certain people. And so I would say that, again, that word for healing, by his wounds are healed, it depends on the context. Is it talking about physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing? And I would say because Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, for our sins, he was crushed for our iniquities, our wickedness, what I would say is that the better interpretation of that is that we've been healed from our sins, That Jesus died to deliver us from our sins, not the effects of our sins. Okay? So I I, I would say right off the bat, again, there's a whole context here, and I wish I had a lot longer to preach on this to bring out the whole understanding of it. 
But my interpretation of it is that what God took to himself, what the Messiah, what the arm of the Lord took to himself on the cross was not our physical diseases, our physical diseases, but he took us, our sins upon himself. He bore our sins in his body. And by his wounds, by his stripes, by his sufferings, all who have faith in him are healed from their sinfulness. They're delivered from the consequences of their sins, their punishment, their condemnation, their guilt from their sins. Now, somebody, you, you, you might be here today and you might say, yeah, I still believe it's physical healing. And you might go to a, another kind of proof text. Uh, physical people who believe that everybody should be healed, always should be healed. It's always God's will to be healed. They start here, and if you push back against it, what is the, the most common text that people say, well, what about this? Well, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse, again, there's, there's a, I wish I could preach the whole chapter here because it's, it's the way that Matthew's put it together, it's, it's pretty incredible. But if you look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. I will tell you in the context that uh, chapters 8 and chapters 9, uh, Matthew uses these to show that the Messiah, Messiah is a healer and that the healer points to something greater than the physical healing. But chapter 8, uh, verse, verses 1 through 4, he starts with healing of a leper, an outsider. And then verses 5 through 13, uh, he, he, he heals a centurion's servant, like a, 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 an outsider, a Roman's servant, that, a slave that's nothing. Jesus heals that person. So two outsiders. And then in, in verse 14 and 15, he, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, so fascinating. They're kind of aside another sermon. Uh, the first pope had a wife because Peter had a mother-in-law. Okay, so let that one rumble in your, in your minds a little bit. Okay, but uh, nevertheless, so, so Peter, Peter's mother-in-law got sick, and, and Jesus touched her. Okay, another outsider in that culture, women were treated very poorly, oftentimes better than the surrounding cultures, better than the surrounding religions, but Jesus heals all these outsiders. A picture of grace. Oh, your grace, so free, washes over me, the songs that we sung. Aren't we all outsiders to the, to the, the kingdom of God? Haven't we all needed the grace of God, the freedom that, that God gives, the salvation that God gives. So he starts there, but verse 16, that evening after these healings, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Okay, so everybody that came and asked for healing, they got healed. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Okay? So the, the, the folks that I pushed back against in, in, in Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 5, they say that Jesus died on the cross not only for the relief of our sins, but also to take care of our sicknesses. I say, no, there, I, I don't see any evidence there. I think what happened in Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 5, what was predicted there, was prophesied, was the bearing of our sins on the cross, not our sicknesses. And, and I, I think that the healing being referred to there is not a, a, a healing, guaranteed healing from our, spirit, our physical maladies, but our, just our spiritual maladies. 
uh, our, our problem with sin and how it separates us from God. But you come back to this verse, and, and well, look there. He's healing everybody. Everybody who came to Jesus was healed. And, and what's, what's the proof text? How does, how does Matthew point to Jesus? He says, look at what Isaiah said. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. <clears throat> Except, <laughs> of course, when did this happen? This happened before the cross. This is a long time before Jesus went to the cross to die on the cross. What Jesus is doing here happened before the atonement. It has nothing to do with what happened in what Isaiah 53 predicted. This is Jesus' healing ministry. And so what Isaiah is, is talking about, Matthew saying, hey, look at what happened. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. What, what Matthew is saying, what we see here is pointing to the cross. It's like a preview of, of the deliverance that God is going to make. A, a foreshadowing of something, but it's not the one-to-one to what Isaiah was saying. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, remember in, in verse 4 we said he bore our griefs, he carried our sorrows. There's a passive taking unto himself. Uh, what you don't see in the English text is how these, these words, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases, they're different Greek words that, that, that the Greek words from Isaiah 53, the translators used. And so they're, they're not the Greek words that are saying Jesus bore our infirmities, he took them into himself, he, he carried them into himself. These Greek, work, we, these Greek words in the context of, heal, in, of healing are, are saying... He, he touched Peter's mother-in-law's hand. He, he cast them away. He removed those sicknesses. He, he sent them away. Okay? He, he, this isn't talking about him bearing these upon himself in a sense of he's rescued us from diseases, rescued us from our maladies, our physical maladies. This is Jesus uh, he, he, he's, he's proving himself to be the Messiah by having this healing ministry, by casting out demons. Uh, his healing, his casting out demons, his teachings all pointed to the final deliverance of the kingdom of God coming. It's evidence. Matthew, just as he does throughout his gospel, is saying this is the Messiah because... Because he, could, he removes the evil of, of demons. He removes the, 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 the sicknesses and diseases. But there is no saying here that Jesus died on the cross for these things because this is part of his healing ministry, part of his public ministry. They're, not, they're, they're two different things. And I, I hope I'm making that clear. And so what, what I'm trying to get across is the very basis... Of the claim that everybody should be healed in Jesus' name, and if you're not healed, it's, it's, it's the idea that you don't have enough faith or there's sin in your life. Bunk. Not true. Okay? What, what I, I really want to get across to you is that it's not God's will that you are always healed from your sicknesses. It's not God's will that if you ask with enough faith, if you ask with enough strength, if you well up enough faith in your life, say, mm, I really want to be healed, that he has to do it. God's will, 
for you is sometimes not that you would be healed. Shocking. Wow, what did he just say? Is that true? Let me underline this text first. Uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. I think uh, Elder John read that earlier today. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And this, of course, ties into how we pray for healing and the, what God does in our life, what the, God does in our world. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Oh, man, there's a whole context here again. I wish I could preach the whole chapter about a suffering servant. Uh, uh, the God's chosen one, the Son of God, he suffered. And then Peter's saying, man, you're going to suffer as well. And the prosperity preacher saying, no, you don't suffer as God's chosen. And yet we read in chapter 2 that Jesus suffered. Oh, but we get down to verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body, on the tree. He bore what? Our sins. On the tree, on the cross. That we might die to what? To sin. He bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin. It doesn't say He bore our sicknesses in His body on the tree that we might die to sickness, that you'll never be sick again. Talk about that in a moment. He wants us to live for righteousness now that we've been delivered from sin by His wounds Maybe some of your translations say, by his stripes, you have been healed. For we were like straying like sheep. We have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so the context heavily supports the idea that we've been reconciled to God. We've been redeemed. Our sins have been dealt with. The barrier to our relationship with God has been removed through our trust in Jesus Christ, through his work on the cross, and now we can have a relationship with the shepherd of our souls. Praise God. Jesus paid it all. By his wounds, by his stripes, by his suffering, the whole, the whole package of his passion week, all the suffering, all the whippings, all the bruisings, all the nailings, all the, all the things that he endured in his execution, in his death, he bore our sins. He brought spiritual healing to our life. Let's chase uh, some rabbits here a little bit. <clears throat> Pastor, are you saying that it's not God's will, will for us to be healed <laughs> uh, always? Well, uh, yeah, I, I am saying that. Now let me step back a little bit and say... We should always pray for our healing. The whole tenor, the whole tone of the scriptures, the examples we have, the, the examples of people coming to Jesus and asking for healing and he healed. We should ask for healing. God heals today. I believe that. When, when we as elders go out and pray for people, we're asking for God to heal them. We believe that God heals today. It happens. But how does God heal? Let's, let's, let's ask that question first. God has many means of healing. God has many means of healing. The first thing, have you heard the, the statement lately, I have an immune system? Maybe some of you people have said that recently. I have to go back to my Facebook and check it out. 
God heals through the natural bodily processes that He's put in place. The power that He's given our bodies is incredible. How many times have you been healed from a cold? How many times have you been healed from the flu? How many times have you been healed for this or that? God's put in His creation, He's put in our natural bodies an incredible ability to heal. And praise God. So we pray to God, God, use my body. Make it come to its full potential. All the powers that it's had, all the powers you've given it, fight off that illness. Fight, fight off that virus. God heals through the natural bodily processes that He's put in play. He heals providentially, in other words, through creation. But He also, in His grace, oh, His grace, praise God. We were singing about that earlier. Praise God for His grace. He's given our culture and our society through science, man, He's given us medicine. That's the grace of God. That's the common grace of God. He pours out His, his rain on the wicked and, 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 the, and the good, man. He's allowed our society to have medicine. God heals through medicine. God heals through doctors and nurses. Praise God for that. That's the grace of God. When we pray for healing, how does God's healing usually come? It usually comes through natural processes, through medicine, through doctors, through nurses. When you go to wound care, thank, thank God for those people. When you go to physical therapy, that's the grace of God. Right? When that surgery happens, when, 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 when the di different doctors in our congregation, the different doctors in this, this community, when they do healings, it's the grace of God that allows that to happen. Right? It, it praise God for His grace. And sometimes... Sometimes he moves beyond the natural processes. Sometimes he moves beyond the normal way that he heals providentially. And sometimes as we pray and we cry out, he heals miraculously. God heals. And really, when you think about some of these passages, is it God's will for you to be healed ultimately? Yes. See, when God went to the cross, when Jesus became incarnate, and he, and he marched to that cross over 33 years, he met his journey, his destination, his calling at the cross. What, 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 a, what, a, what a wonderful thing that was. He died for your sins. He took care of your sins. But ultimately, what's going to happen to you? Right? We've been justified in Christ. Now we're being sanctified in Christ, and the Scriptures promise us that one day we'll be glorified in Jesus Christ, meaning that one day, because we've trusted in Jesus and He's dealt with our sin problems, one day eventually when Jesus Christ comes back and we're raised from the dead, all of our physical problems will go away too. So you ask me, Pastor, is it God's will will for you to always be healed, for us to always be healed? And, and my, my, my more qualified, nuanced answer is, in the short term, no. But in the long term, hallelujah, praise the Lord, risen from the dead, no more tears, no more suffering, no more trials, no more tribulations, because in Jesus Christ, when I'm raised from the dead, I will not have to face death anymore, nor any of its effects. Praise God. But let's, let's look at some phenomena, uh, some, some experiential evidence. 
And, and so uh, just push back a little bit uh, to this, this idea that, man, Jeron, if you had enough faith, you would, you'd get rid of sickness right away. Jeron, if you had enough faith, you would never have disease in your life. L- let me ask you the question, what's the mortality rate of Christians? 100%. So when we look back through church history, has there ever been anybody who's lived just the last 2,000 years that you can go knock on their door right now? And boy, you're doing great. Like you, you've lived by faith. And because you rebuked that sickness in your life, you haven't died. You're not going to find anybody. Because all Christians, if they don't die in accidents, if they don't die in homicides, <laughs> they're going to die from sickness or disease, or their body is going to deteriorate. Guaranteed. Let's push it a little bit farther. Maybe you're watching online today, and you have a favorite faith healer. And he tells you, man, Jerron, if you just believed hard enough, if you just had the faith, or if you got all the sin out of your life, you could tell that sickness, you could tell that cancer to go, and that cancer would have to go. Go! And it's gone. If you only had enough faith, Jeron, if you only believed enough, Jeron, you can make that happen. And, and I, I love to, to kind of push back and say, um, well, tell me who your favorite faith healer is. And somebody who believes that. Could you go talk to them and ask if they've got any issues today? You can pick out your Oral Roberts, your Joyce Myers, your Benny Hins, your Kenneth Copeland's, your... Ken Hagen, Hagen, I forget his last name there. Uh, um, you, can, you can pick out any, any faith healer, and every one of those people, again, if they don't die from accident, or if they don't die from some homicide or some tragedy, they are going to die from sickness or disease. Their body is just going to deteriorate from old age. Now, I, I haven't lived a long, long time, but I've seen some pretty healthy people in my time. Some people that are tickers are like, man, they can run marathons. But a lot of those people have things like hearing loss or thyroid issues. Or, or maybe they have perfect hearing, perfect eyesight, but they have sleep disorders. Every person on the face of the earth has these issues that they're not always going to be delivered from. The mortality of your favorite faith healers is 100%. And these are the people who claim that they have the key to rebuke any sickness, rebuke any disease. And they are going to die just the way you're going to die. We all go in the box. 100%. Another evidence, a phenomena, is you you go to the different countries, the different continents around the world, and what are you going to find there? You're going to find missionary graveyards our best, our brightest. You're going to find little caskets, little boxes of babies being buried in Africa or Europe or South America. You're going to find dozens and dozens of these little babies or these six-year-old kids or these 12-year-old kids that died on the mission field. And you're telling me that these people didn't have faith when their kids got sick? That these people didn't examine her life and, and say, man, I have to make sure there's no sin in my life. There's nothing separating me from God. You're telling me that these people who left these shores 
And they went. And when their kid got sick, they didn't pray hard. They didn't get on their knees for days. They didn't fast. They didn't pray. They didn't have enough faith. And I say to you, like, who do you think you are? I look around and everybody dies. Even the most faithful Christians. And so running down that path, we, God does heal. And we should pray for healing always. But our healing isn't going to be found ultimately in this life. Our full healing, our complete healing is found in the resurrection of the dead. In the coming, this life is like, Randy Alcorn said in one of his books, this life is like a little dot this minuscule dot, but eternity goes on in this line forever and ever. We try to, you know, the, the prosperity gospel will say, man, God, you've got to give me my best life now, my best life now. I, I want health and wealth, and, and I want this life in, to use God and, and manipulate God and try to get everything for themselves in this life. But God says, man, this time is short. In a blink of an eye, you're going to be in eternity. And eternity goes for a long time, and in, in eternity... You're going to have perfect health forever. This world right now still struggles with sin and the consequences of sin. Jesus came to deliver us for the next life. To bring us into the kingdom of God forever. So, so man, there's, there's so many questions here. So many things we could talk about. Is the, what does God use suffering for? If you're taking notes, you can write down some scriptures. You can write down Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. God uses sickness and adversity and trials to build endurance in us. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Uh, God uses sickness and adversity and trials to, to make us mature Christians. John chapter 11, verse 4. John chapter 11, verse 4. God uses sicknesses and trials and tribulations to glorify Christ in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-7, through 7, God uses trials and adversities and sickness to, to validate our faith, to authenticate our faith, to prove our faith. Uh, the, the, the list goes on. Does God send suffering into our life? If you're taking notes, does God send suffering to this world? You can write down Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. You could write down Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. That God is the one who sends blindness, the one who sends sickness, the one who sends death, the one who sends suffering. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. The, the kid that's born with a malady, with, with trouble. Who did this? This is for the glory of God. We pray. And, and maybe you're wondering, how should I pray when I get sick? <clears throat> And, and I read a book this last week, uh, kind of crammed it in, uh, and I, boy, I just lost the name of the author, Mayhew or something like that. His last name is Mayhew, and I, I've got the book in my office if you want to see it. But he gives a, a prescription for how do you pray for healing. Uh, don't, don't, hear, don't mishear me at all, folks. Um, I, I don't believe in the short term that it's always God's will that we will be healed, Okay. Because the evidence says that, that we die from pancreatic cancer, we die from breast cancer, we, we die from all kinds of things. Uh, the evidence is 100%. But, 
But in the long term, I, I do believe in healing. But we should pray for healing because God still heals today according to His will, His timing, His purpose. And He's good. He trust Him with your life. But how, how do you pray? How do you go out praying for healing? And I, I, I thought this was kind of a neat way to say it. Uh, the, the first thing, if you're taking notes, uh, the, when you start praying for healing is, is admission. Admission. <laughs> Admit you're not in control. Admit that you need God's help. Admission. When you're praying for healing. The second part is submission. <laughs> Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to God and say, as Jesus did when he was facing his passion before he was arrested, not my will, but your will be done. I surrender to your good plans, God. When you're praying for healing, man, this heart disease or, or this, this, this hormonal issue that's just thrashing me right now, I submit to your will. I don't know why it's coming into my life. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the, the hidden things belong to God, right? I, I trust you. Your ways are higher than my ways. I don't understand your ways. Isaiah 55, you submit to God and say, your will be done. I trust you that you know what's best in my life and you're going to use my life to your appointed ends. So I admit that I need your help. I admit I, don't have, I can't fix it myself. I submit to your authority, God. I submit to your will, right? <laughs> And then there's an intermission. <laughs> and it kind of, well, I guess you could, the, the way he slated it out, he said, first there's, there's admission, submission, then a transmission where I ask in detail, God, this, this, this issue with my life, here's what it is. Here's what I'm asking for specifically for your healing. Okay, so the transmission and the Holy Spirit joins. Remember Romans 8, the Holy Spirit joins with us in, in praying in words that we can't express. Okay. And then there's the intermission. We're waiting. Oh, that's the hardest time, right? Waiting for answer. But while you're waiting for God's answer, you keep praying. Several of Jesus' parables tell us to keep pray, praying and not give up. As we're waiting for God in that intermission of waiting, we keep praying. Keep praying for your loved ones that will be delivered. That's, that's God's will for us, to keep praying, keep asking, keep depending. And then there's either a, a, a permission or a, a revision. <laughs> God says yes, or God says not yet, or not quite the way you're praying, or God says no. Uh, we as a church have put a lot of emphasis on prayer. We believe that prayer changes things. We believe that God is, has brought us in a relationship or somehow in His sovereignty, He uses us. He's allowed us to impact the details of this world. And he's told us again and again to pray. And we see examples of people coming and praying for healing and deliverance. We need to be praying because God heals. But don't lose sight of your living hope. This life will come to an end Sooner or later, you might have two days, you might have 20 years, but in the, in the blink, in, in view of his, history and eternity, it's nothing. Your hope is in heaven. Your hope is in resurrection. Put your hope in there. But while we journey in this life, let's support one another and love one another and pray for one another's healing. And God will show himself glorious as we submit to his will. 
keep praying and do not give up. I guess that's long enough sermon. Let's stand. Oh, Lord God Almighty, we uh, think about all the issues uh, of all the people sitting in the pews this morning. Lord, uh, you hear their cry today. You, you hear their prayers. We know some of the things going on, and we pray. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. But, Lord, we, we admit that you are God and we're not. We submit to your will. We submit to that you might have reasons for allowing things. And if you've allowed things in our life that you have a good outcome in mind, you have a purpose behind the things that we can't see. So we choose to trust you today. Give us the power to trust you and what you're doing. Lord God, we bring to you our prayers, our petitions. And Lord, we know that you hear our prayers. And if we know that you hear our prayers, you answer. Lord God, we, 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 many of us are waiting on certain things. Many of, many of us have wait, waited for healing for 20 years or more for certain issues in our life. And we're going to keep praying, Lord, because you tell us to. But we trust you. Lord God Almighty, give us the, the grace to be a church of prayer, a church that depends on you and cries out to you and waits on you, a church that worships you in sickness and in health and the good and the bad. And may our life, Lord, whether you heal or give us perfect health or not, may our lives all lend themselves to our calling, our reason for being, your glory and your worship and your praise. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God, by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.